0: So, good evening, uh, everyone, my name is Premis Lpela, I'm from the Czech Centre, and it's a pleasure to welcome all of you here at the next uh, stop of the Science Café. And we have a very special treat this evening, uh, as we invited a guest uh, coming, as I said, from the university, from the Czech uh, Technical University. And the subject of the evening is quite intriguing. It's uh, animation, uh, computer science. You know, uh, Mickey, Mickey Mouse, how old is he? 80? It's close. Uh, He just turned 90 last year. He's 91. Uh, And I think... uh, even 20 years, maybe 10 years ago, nobody would have expected, you know, that the person who is standing next to me is really changing the landscape of animations, you know, and how we produce the animated uh, films. And thanks to the computing algorithm, uh, that's really possible today. And. Uh, I personally don't have a strong opinion if that's really the good thing or not good thing. I mean, we are gonna be, uh, we're going to learn a little bit more over the next uh, hour or, or, or so. But uh, part of the introduction, before I turn the floor here, Daniel, as I said, is coming from the Czech Technical University, but he uh, is lecturing around the world. He spent uh, some time in the United States at the Salt Lake City University. Oh, Utah, Utah, uh, and uh, but he also uh, received numerous awards and recognitions. Uh, I want to mention the uh, the one which is well recognized in the Czech Republic, which is the uh, Neuron uh, from the Neuron Foundation, the award here. So, without any further ado, I would like to turn the floor to Daniel. Thank you for, for coming and The floor is yours.
1: Thank you very much for a very nice introduction. So, welcome. It's my really great pleasure. To to be here and to show some of our passion, which we have in Prague, uh, in let's say traditional animation and traditional techniques, hand-drawn animation, all this stuff. That, that, that but this is what we actually love. And I, I would like to let's say a little bit, uh, give you a little background on why we are interested in this topic. And uh, like this is like I think the best illustration for for this this motivation. So if you go to cinema nowadays, what you see is some Something like this you probably recognize that there are multiple of these uh, let's say very successful movies but you, you can also c- c- let's say clearly see that they are kind of similar even like the stories are different and all uh, the characters are different but the, the actual visual appearance is almost the same all the time so you can hardly distinguish whether let's say some of let's say these movies are made by some particular artist, and when I was let's say at Disney animation, I spent like six months there, and I was speaking with artists, and their dream is to actually retain the original hand-drawn let's say uh, style, which is usually completely discarded in the production pipeline. And at the end, you will get this kind of, uh, sorry, this kind of uh, unified appearance. And, and they had this dream, like, where maybe in future there will be a possibility to retain their original uh, style and also recognize that this movie is from this artist. So what... what is actually how this particle, like, unique style could look like. You can see on, on this example. So this is one of our artists, which we are working with. And he has, like, some really, like, distinct way how he use the strokes. So this is, like, a digital paint, but you can also imagine some real, like, physical, physical painting. And the question is whether we now have a technology which can reproduce this artistic style in like massive way. So for, for example, you would like to really produce an animated movie with this style. And the answer is no, or almost no. But we are trying to be in a state when we say, yeah, the answer is yes. But I will now try to explain what are the difficulties and where we currently are, and maybe in future we will be able to, let's say, fulfill this dream. And I would like to uh, demonstrate what what is the current state of the art in, in that field. So the, the only way how the actual production can produce these like really like uh, stylized and unique artistically unique uh, movies is to use the really Painstaking hand-drawn animation. So that's the example from *Loving Vincent* movie. You probably some of them, some of you already saw that movie, which is like really difficult thing because you need to paint every frame by hand, and this is oil paint. So you can imagine like 100 artists were painting this in parallel for like three or four years. So this is like really like a huge amount of work. And that's currently the only feasible way how you can actually produce these stylized movies. So the the, the big challenge we are actually facing is to allow, let's say, the the artist just, let's say, prepare some examples of what uh, would be the the actual target style. And we would like to reproduce their style in a way that even the artist is kind of struggling whether the quality or the, the actual, let's say, uh, details which are on the final, final artwork are uh, synthetic or uh, manually created. And this this challenge is actually pretty old. It's it's uh, from David Celestin from 2002. He actually uh, called this as NPR Turing Test, which is kind of similar to the normal version of Turing Test, where you really would like to, let's say, show the, the image to the artist or to even some other people that, that maybe are interested in art and ask them is this image created by hand or is this like a synthetic synthetic thing so what, what you what, we, what you see here is is a real painting and now I will try to show you some some other examples afterwards where we will be approaching to this state where we maybe even fulfill this during test so maybe for some of these styles you'll be able to to fulfill it there are, let's say, multiple uh, let's say, ways how we can achieve that and one of them is really the traditional way, which is simulation. You can actually capture the physical laws which are, uh, let's say, affecting the final quality of the artwork. You can try to simulate them and produce something which uh, obviously like is kind of close to what you can see in the reality but always the accuracy is still like far from what you let's say would like to use for this turing test so typically you can quickly recognize even they are really the results are really kind of uh, exciting, but you can quickly recognize that it's not the uh, real uh, hand-drawn artwork, which is like a physical artistic media on the paper, for example. So that's this one one possibility, but usually you you fail in in this in this goal. What is mu- much more successful is exactly what I was describing before: that you have some example of the artistic style that the particular artist is producing, and then you have some target photo or video sequence or, let's say, any way of how you specify the target content, and you would like to transfer this style from this exemplar to the rest of the uh, frames, for example. And that's the actual goal. And in this case, we have, like, real physical instance of of the artistic style which you would like to preserve, so we can directly compare and we can directly use parts of the style for further synthesis that's our main goal this is what we are actually aiming for and that's also what the artist wants wants to have in their in their workflow so they really would like to have a way how to draw only few concept sketches of how the actual style would look like and then they would like to really turn the whole animation which will preserve this original style and that's that's currently which is really like a difficult and challenging task so in if you if you imagine like the in photorealistic scenario we are kind of really in a really good state so we can produce images which are really like Almost perfect, so you cannot recognize that there is some something wrong. But in this scenario, in this artistic style transfer, we are kind of like still far from from that state when we will be like a fully generic approach to that. But I will try to show you where we what what is the current state. So what you probably know is uh, this big hype about neural nets, which also relates uh, to to our. Uh, Let's say a um, task which you would like to solve, and you probably know uh, mobile apps like Prisma or Deepart. You probably tried them, uh, which works exactly in this same way. So that you have some exemplar style, and you would like to turn your photo into this particular style, and they work quite well. So the let's say the social networks are full of these images, and people are just uh, happy about them. But the question is whether. This uh, approach, which which is kind of like roughly aligned here, is, is, is suitable even for artists. So the way how it works is that you have some neural net which is kind of learned on an object recognition task, and the belief is that this net kind of like, do something like a a human brain that recognizes some structures and uh, semantic uh, meanings of of, of things in the image which is maybe like too ambitious but uh, that was the original belief behind that method and they actually use the response of the network and would like to optimize the target output image to have a response which is both similar to the original style exemplar as well as to the uh, target scene. That's the actual goal which. which is the uh, original approach. And it produces some nice results, but if you really show them to the artist, they will start to complain. I will show you uh, why. Here is some typical example how it looks like. So you have some distinct distinct style exemplar, which has some really, let's say, important details that the artist really would would like to emphasize. Then you have some target image on which you would like to transfer this style. And if you look on the right side, this is what you get if you apply, for example, this DeepArt app yeah for some people they are absolutely okay also it's maybe the color is kind of compatible so that's what we wanted to have but if you look into other details you can quickly recognize that the actual semantic context is absolutely off. So, for example, there are some, uh, uh, let's say, lips have some red color which is not preserved in the target. Also there are some stars uh, below the eyes which are also not preserved. All these re- really important details that are in the original style are not preserved in the, in the target. And that's what, let's say, if you show this to the artist, you say, no, 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 I really don't want to see that. that's, that's not my style, it's some like a mixture of colors which is similar to the palette I am using, but uh, the actual style is not preserved. That's out of question. That's one, one problem. So it's, there is no like semantically meaningful transfer. So there is just a soup of colors, and that's it. The other problem is, and which is maybe even more important, and if you look into the details on a pixel level, then on the original artwork, you typically see details like the canvas structure, which is really important because then you quickly recognize, ah, this is what like really painting on the canvas. And some, let's say, brush strokes, for example, they're also really important. If you recognize that there are brush strokes, you also recognize, ah, that's something which is real. But if you use this narrow based technique, you will produce something which like from distance looks kind of okay but if you look into into individual pixels you can see that all these structures disappear and that's exactly what the artist will quickly recognize and say no 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 I, I was expecting that I will see the, the canvas and I will see all the strokes so even like for a kind of like a general public this technique is kind of like super cool and works perfectly and everybody is happy and, but yeah, if you want to sh- let's say let the artist use this technique, they, they will typically not use it anymore because that's something which is really not preserving the style. And that was actually our motivation why we wanted to p- create some new approach, which would be really trying to preserve these two important aspects that I was trying to highlight, which are like you really would like to produce something that on a real like a pixel level, is identical with the original style. This is super important. If you if you are able to preserve that, then if you inspect the image in high resolution, then you you, you cannot like say, okay, oh maybe that's that's not the, the original or Everything is almost perfect, so you can say that's the original artwork. And the other important thing is that you really would like to preserve some specific way how the artist is stylizing for example mustache or eyes or some particular let's say locations in the image that really like express his intention to do this in some other possible instances of this for example image or face so you can see that uh, on this example you have like really like different faces, but what is important that the style is transferred in a way that uh, eyes are kind of compatible with eyes in the original uh, style or like say the wrinkles on the forehead are also compatible. And that's exactly what, what, what do I mean with semantically meaningful transfer. So local locally you can see something which the original artist will definitely do in, in the final painting. and. What, what is like more important like you are transferring to style on something which is a like completely different geometric structure and that's the actual goal so you have some exemplar and you will transfer it into let's say multiple frames which has different content so that's the actual goal I will start with like a simple scenario then I will also go to faces so we'll return back to the faces afterwards but uh, I would like to show you this simple case because it's much easier to understand what is going on and then we then we will proceed to something which is more complex so imagine that you have this very simple scenario you have you have a sphere and you have some let's say relatively more complex target 3d object and you would like to transfer the stylization of the of the sphere on this more complex object in a way that it's kind of compatible, exactly we recognize, okay, yeah, that's maybe like the original artwork. And for this, if you really would like to, to preserve a semantic context, we would need the algorithm to have some special type of guidance which will, in this case, uh, correspond to how the light propagates in the scene. Because typically the artists are using different stylization for parts uh, which corresponds to some illumination effects. Like you have like glossy reflections, you have indirect illumination, you have shadows. And all those are kind of always specifically stylized and they are typically not like physically correct. What you see here is physically correct computation which you can do for free because currently you have algorithms that can compute the physical simulation of uh, light transport in the scene so that these images are for free so we can compute them if we know the geometry of the scene and then we have nice mapping We, we know, okay, if there is a highlight on the sphere we would like to transfer the highlight on the torus which is a which is completely different structure, but we have this information, where is the highlight on the torus? And that's exactly what we would like to achieve, because then we will recognize, ah, yeah, there is a highlight, and it's stylized exactly how the artist is stylizing highlight on a something which is more simple. So here you can see some examples. We have we have this uh, algorithm uh, here running live on this laptop so you can then afterwards trying yourself. Uh, my wife Pavla is here uh, she's an artist so she can also show you how to make these like fancy fancy spheres. Uh, but after that you can also try it, try it yourself. Uh, but now I will just demonstrate let's say uh, the capability of the algorithm to do exactly what we what we have in our motivation so imagine in this case you have the, this original sphere uh, w- which is like the real, like a physically based rendering and then you have the stencil which you will see also here on which you can just paint your strokes which is like the, the figure number two and then the algorithm has the target 3D model which is like this more complex Golem uh, figure and then it transfers the style in a way that it exactly respects what, what we were discussing previously so you can see that the highlights corresponds to how the uh, artist will stylize our highlights on the original sphere as well as shadows and the, the parts which are shaded and that's exactly visible here so for example that's another uh, 3D object which has different structure, but if you look even like on a pixel pixel level detail, if you have really like um, high quality scan of the original uh, hand drawn image, you can hardly say if it if it's like a real thing or if it's if it's synthetic, and that's exactly what we wanted to achieve. And it's not only the pixel level, but also the semantic level. So you can see, okay, the highlight is kind of exactly corresponding to how the highlight should be stylized. And that's like these two things make it much more convincing as compared to these previous approaches which were always struggling with, with this uh, a kind of uncanny valley where you always recognize that there is something wrong with that it's not the original artwork. But here you are starting, ah, maybe that this is real thing, this is really something which is painted or drawn on, on paper. Yeah, so there's another example which has like really rough strokes, and that's, that's something which is really hard to reproduce with any other algorithmic solution. And you can see that uh, the algorithm is like fully agnostic to to any any particular style, so it can reproduce even even this this really rough uh, rough image. This one is really like super believable. So again, like on a pixel level, you you can hardly say that that's that's not the original artwork. And one of these images is exactly th- that one which passed the actual Turing test. So for this, it was super difficult to recognize that the, the drawing is is not uh, uh, mm, let's say the original original painting. So it's, it was like synthetic result. This one is another example of it. It's, that's something which was also, super hard to reproduce using any any previous technique, and you can also see that uh, if you just, if you, if I will not be explaining anything, and I will just show you the image of the hand you would be really struggling whether it's, it's real or not. Yeah. So that was the actual goal we wanted to achieve. But obviously this is like a simplified scenario. So you still have like the 3D geometry, so you still are using some uh, additional computation to get some guidance, which normally, if you have something like a video, is hardly accessible. So for this, like it's a toy example. And for this toy example, we are approaching the state where we are very close but it's still, uh, let's say, for very practical use, it's far from, from what, we would, what we would like to have. The nice thing is that the, the algorithm is interactive, so you can, like in regular uh, rendering pipeline, you can rotate the 3D object. Uh, it, it's, it's a kind of adaptive, the computation is adaptive, so it, after a while it will converge into the final solution, but you can use it like any regular, Uh, renderer but it does something which is completely different to traditional uh, rendering which you can see also in the cinema if you go to see the animated movie then you would expect something which is close to the physically correct rendering but with this technique you can do something similar but with this uh, particular artistic style that's exactly what was our goal and the another super nice feature is that you can do this interactively, and that's exactly what you will be able to try yourself here. That you really draw or paint the sphere, and you can see immediately the feedback of how it can look, how it will look like on the final 3D 3D model, and that's. Uh, really like beneficial for people who are trying to learn how to shape or how to uh, draw by hand some more complex shapes because they usually are able to draw the sphere that's something which is Okay, usually, but doing something more complex is really hard. And if you would like to learn it, you should have many trials and errors to get into state which is uh, believable. But with this technique, you can immediately see how it should look like in this particular style. Yeah. So this is what you can what you can try here. If you compare with these neural-based approaches, you will see again all these artifacts which I discussed previously. So. For this case, it's kind of like color is okay, but all the details of the original artistic media are washed out. And also the semantically meaningful transfer is not there. It's, it's like yeah, the, the column is red, but the, let's say the, the highlights are kind of like also washed out. Everything is kind of grayish and uh, really like not what we would like to expect. The same thing is for for this really rough style, so you can imagine that this is really challenging scenario, because like the stylization is also in this roughness. So you, the artist is not preserving exactly the, the boundaries of the of the 3D object. It's kind of like fuzzy, and in in the actual uh, neural based approach, you can see that this fuzziness is also lost. So it's kind of still like a sharp sharp edges on on that target model. That's exactly like the, the problem of, the, of this technique is that it really doesn't aim to preserve these things whereas our approach is, is trying to do that. So now let's move to something which is even more, let's uh, say, complex and that's the particular case of faces because uh, everybody is super sensitive for, uh, if, if, if you look for, let's say, some details on facial uh, uh, images you, you are really picky so you can see all the issues and uh, you would like to let's say really all the time uh, fix everything so artists are never satisfied with, with portraits so for example if you ask somebody who's doing a portrait nobody is satisfied never finished everything is kind of still unfinished and that's exactly the let's say hard case and, let's say, kind of testing uh, scenario for, for our, let's say, Turing test because, like, produce something which is really believable is, is is quite hard. In this case, we don't have any 3D information, we don't have geometry of the face of the so we need to come up with some uh, guidance for the algorithm and it's exactly what I was uh, trying to explain later uh, so previously, that we would like to have this semantically meaningful transfer, so we would like to somehow detect where are the eyes, where, where is the nose, where where, where you know, eyebrows and hairs. And fortunately, there are algorithms which can do that automatically. So that's something which helps us to build this kind of correspondence between uh, the source style and the target image and the other important thing is that we will also capture the appearance of the original style as well as of the uh, target 3D object so for example all these like uh, wrinkles which are like Areas where the where there is a dark color uh, next to bright color, that's exactly what helps us to recognize. That's why uh, why we are able to recognize identity of person because that's the, how brain works actually internally when you would like to recognize somebody, and so we use this. Uh, information to retain and preserve the, the identity of the target. Uh, you can see, like on this ex- uh, experiment, when we kind of try to have a let's say smooth transition between the uh, uh, identity of the original style exemplar of the original portrait and the identity of the target, and you can see that you can make this smooth transition and. Uh, there is always this compromise so if you would like to exactly preserve the the target identity you are u- losing the details of the original artistic style and it's reason it makes sense because uh, you cannot like really reproduce all small details using roughness of the original uh, drawing and in this case you really need to find some trade-off, some uh, let's say, sweet spot between uh, the identity preservation and style preservation. And this is exactly what we are doing, so we let the artist to to set the, the proper balance between them. So for example, this is uh, kind of as a challenging uh, style which normally would be almost impossible to reproduce and this is what we can do with our algorithm. You can see that again, like on a pixel level, all details are nicely preserved, and as well as like the, the important uh, parts of the face are exactly corresponding to the original one. This, like, kind of like The style, which is like really this uh, um, high-frequency strokes, uh, that it's something which is also super difficult to preserve. And again, you can see that the the actual island it is also let's say changed in that sense. And again, all the strokes are there, and you you can like hardly see some uh, uh, mistakes with with respect to the structure of the or the artistic media. It works also on statues, so it's not. Limited to drawings or paintings, so you can even uh, try to use statue, and still like even if there is like a real realistic illumination in the in the original photo, it kind of corresponds to uh, um, yeah. You cannot change the position of light source. That's that's the limitation, but. Uh, it still like retains the the actual look that that's that's a real statue, and that this is also another important aspect that it really retains. It's believable, so it's still kind of very close to the the original painting, and that's that's another very nice aspect of this. And obviously, the question is whether we can uh, mimic masters, whether we can really produce new paintings which would look like, for example, Rembrandt. And this was also, for a long time, this was like uh, unsolved questions. Like, if you you will ask uh, people like, I don't know, like five years ago, whether we will be able to really produce next Rembrandt, which will be hardly recognizable that's not a Rembrandt painting, they will say, "Mm, maybe in like next 50 years, maybe, I don't know. So nobody was kind of expecting that we, we can do that. But what uh, uh, we're trying to, let's say, we were, we were working together with the University in Delft and they were really trying to, to produce high quality scans of the original Rembrandt paintings. And they have uh, like multi spectral inputs um, which, which allows you also to look into the individual layers in the painting so you can see also the previous paintings which were on the canvas. But for, for our case, we were just interested in that information because we can also have the original. Uh, let's say elevation, where, where it's small elevation of the strokes which uh, is typically some additional effect that if you see that there is like a change in depth then you also quickly like uh, start to believe that that's, that's the real painting. So we were interested where we'll be able to reproduce Rembrandt's painting on a different identity so we'll produce next Rembrandt portrait which will be on a different identity, and you will still be, let's say, uh, having a hard time to recognize it's not a Rembrandt. Here, here is the result. And uh, we have also depth, so I will then show you how it looks like if you look, uh, you, you can you can use this depth information and make a print of this painting so that if you look on, let's say, from a side view, you can easily see there is some structure uh, on it. So this is, yes, yeah, so this is how it looks like. so you can see all. Oh, this is just uh, synthetically rendered, but you can see I have also this physical print, uh, which also like from distance you can really hardly recognize that uh, that's not a real like oil paint in that sense. So with with this technique you can really like reproduce something which is pretty close to how the Rembrandt would recreate or paint this uh, different uh, different identity and the even more challenging uh, question is whether we will be able to do animation so not just a single single photo or single single image and in this case there is another aspect which is temporal coherence so you can if you if you remember the loving Vincent movie and every frame is kind of different so it, it will rep- reproduce like this effect which is or which helps us to recognize, oh, this is something which is really hand drawn, painted every frame by hand, because like w- what is hard is to preserve exactly uh, that the stroke in one frame corresponds to the stroke in the other frame, and if you if you if you can do that, mm-hmm. which is almost impossible, then the animation will be like smooth like typical CG CG animation, but that's something which is impossible and you cannot hardly control the artistic media in a way that you will be like fully temporally coherent. So the question is like if you would like to produce something which is fully temporally coherent or if you need to retain this little flicker there, which kind of helps us to to recognize ah this is something which is painted by hand. And that was our actual goal. We wanted to still retain this perception that it's something which is hand-drawn, but we also wanted to reduce the amount of flickering into some, let's say, feasible level that you can watch the animation for a longer period of time. With the original like Loving Vincent, if you really watching the Loving Vincent in the cinema for like 20 minutes you will become tired, really like it starts to be super difficult to watch because it's so noisy that you kind of like oh maybe I I really need to close my eyes or something like that that's that's what was the main limitation also one of the main reasons why these fully hand-colored, hand-painted movies are, are not created besides that it's super expensive so we wanted to, let's say, produce something which still retains the, the impression that it's hand-painted but will reduce the flickering to some feasible level and here you can see how it looks like uh, obviously it's the, the flickering doesn't look super compelling in the sense of that maybe this is not the, what uh, the artist will produce normally but it's exactly what, uh, what we wanted to achieve so you still kind of see that there is some, something changing which is exactly corresponding to hand drawn thing and uh, it's, it's really like uh, temporally coherent in the sense that you you can say oh it's not so much flickering that it's, it's annoying If you compare this, this technique with, again, the, the neural-based approaches, like, for example, this Prisma app, you can, again, see the, the real huge difference. And besides, like, the, the quality of appearance uh, of the style, you can also easily see that uh, temporal coherence is not preserved very well. It, they are doing some, let's say, attempt to do that, but it's still uh, super noisy. There is another example where the temporal coherence is much better. This is the part uh, which has this service that you can upload your video and for like uh, 200 euros per like 10 seconds or whatever you can do this. And uh, temporal coherence is pretty good but again the style is is not preserved. It looks like uh, kind of like face painting whereas our approach is really like Something which would correspond to to real uh, hand-drawn animation, which is like frame by frame created on a, on the a paper, and that's another effect. Like if you ask somebody from real production, uh, they will respond, oh why not? We can just use texture mapping. We just like apply the texture of style on on the 3D object, but you will exactly get what you see on the right side. Something which is not what you would press, let's say. Receive as hand-drawn because it's it's like moving so accurately with the original animation that you can ah that's like texture mapped on on the 3D object and that's exactly what we would like to to avoid. So what what we uh, managed to do is that we are collaborating with Adobe so. Uh, all this what I was showing you is currently available in Adobe Character Animator. and my student Sharka here will also show you uh, how the character animator looks like. and you can also play with, with that after, after after my talk. So I will now continue but Sharka then will, will say something about that uh, after after. Yeah, so this is this is some another example of uh, how it looks, uh, what it can be uh, synthesized with this character animator. So it, you can also like do this wooden wooden style, or again like again the statue thing. And the nice thing is that you can drive the actual animation, and you can do this live, so you can transfer the actual uh, uh, expressions which are which are uh, captured by the camera and they are immediately turned into the hand drawn animation so you can then also try it try it yourself okay so the next challenging question was whether we will be able to fully reproduce hand-drawn animation in a way that you will, on the input, you will have just, for example, skeletal motion and you will really reproduce something which which would look like real hand-drawn animation, traditional, traditional animation. In this case we we'll again use this example based technique so we will uh, let the artist for some particular poses uh, to really do the stylization so we will let them to for some uh, poses which are selected preselected uh, he will or she will draw the poses on the paper using some artistic media in this case watercolor for example and then we have some target motion which is similar, but like completely different in the sense what you what you saw in the, the exemplar case. And with this we can synthetically produce something which again retain this hand-drawn appearance and uh, also you can see that the, the motion is kind of stylized. So we are also trying to stylize or transfer the motion stylization of the original sequence. So here are some examples. So this is like fully synthetically created. So you can see that if you if you look on let's say in the, into details, it's really like every frame is like a watercolor painting on the paper, but everything is driven by this by this skeletal motion. So you can, for example, here uh, again, like there is like a skeletal motion on the input, and on the output is like really like hand drawn frame by frame independent. You can see this subtle flickering there, which also gives you the impression ah oh, that's something which was created by a and you can also for example produce this slow motion which in the original exemplar was just a couple of frames but here you can like, really produce something which would be painful to, to draw manually because you would need to produce many of these frames to, to get into that state so that's, that's uh, something which was one of these wishes of the artists, uh, what they really would like to have as a future technology for uh, producing hand-drawn animations. But the ultimate ultimate wish was this actual application, which is stylization of video based on keyframes. That's that's exactly what was in the in the original beginning of the of the whole uh, effort that we spent on this project, because it's it's kind of something which is close to traditional animation that you pr- prepare some keyframes which are then kind of in between, and you will produce let's say smooth animation out of out of these keyframes and that's exactly what uh, is the workflow that the artists are looking for, but there is like. Before before we started to let's say export this idea, there was few attempts to do that, but the quality was like super low. It was almost unusable in real production. Uh, but. With, with, with this technique uh, or with this algorithm that um, we use for all these uh, instances that i was showing you previously it starts to be really close to uh, real production quality and the the workflow is kind of as i said very simple so you have a uh, target sequence, which, which, which is the video sequence, it can be also different, it can be 3D, uh, really like a synthetically generated CG sequence, but the, the most challenging scenario is this real uh, video. And then you let the artist to uh, prepare some of the keyframes. It can be just one keyframe if the scene is not changing too much, but if there is like a rotation of the object, then obviously from this one keyframe you cannot see the part which are uh, on side visible on the side view. so you you let the artist to recreate these keyframes even using like a physical artistic media. So what you can see here is a testing sequence from a movie which we are. Currently working on with uh, a Maro film, uh, which is famous Czech studio, and they are they are working on this with uh, Miroslav Krobot, who wants to produce like full-length feature-length movie, which will be like fully animated, like Loving Vincent, but. The aim is to have like only few frames stylized. Obviously, like it should be like much, much, much less expensive than than loving Vincent, I and mean, yeah, you, you can imagine like what what is the goal actually to produce something compatible, but with much less uh, amount of money and time, obviously. And what I will show you is uh, still not let's say publicly available. Uh, so that's something which we still plan to release. I I hope that um, in June this will be already out. But that's something which which is kind of like still still not public. And here are the results. Like this is exactly, you have just one single keyframe, and then you have some short clip. And the whole clip is stylized using this single keyframe. And that's that's the the actual goal that we uh, the artists are interested in. So they kind of I uh, have the original style transferred to the multiple frames uh, of the original video, so that they really don't need to recreate everything by hand uh, using uh, the approach that was used in *Loving Vincent*. So you can see that that's. Exactly the way how you can produce like fully stylized movies which has distinct artistic style and it can be completely different to style of any any other studio and you can make your production like fully distinctive as compared to other. that's, that's exactly what was the, the dream of the artist. There are two different styles on one sequence and here you can see how it looks like if you have like multiple keyframes uh, you can you can like let the synthesis you know, to produce something then you can correct the mistakes and then continue if there is some new content which is not visible in the original keyframe Okay, so that is this is what uh, is from my side, what I wanted to show you. And then I will pass uh, 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 my microphone to Sharka, and she will demonstrate how the uh, our technique work uh, inside the character animator. And after that, uh, we, we can like have a, uh, a Q&A session, so you can ask questions, and uh, then you can try yourself uh, either the character animator or the actual it algorithm, which allows you to paint and draw yourself on the paper, and you will see your style transferred on some complex 3D object. So thank you very much, and i will passing my, my microphone to So now I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Hello? Okay. Um, yeah, I really liked the talk. Thank you. I had a question. Have you ever tried a test where you take, uh, you grab frames from the Vincent film? So essentially, you've got a collection of hand drawn stills and then use those as keyframes. In your video s- stylizer, and then compare that to see kind of a Turing test of the synthetic video versus the actual.
0: Uh, exactly. Film.
1: The story is like this. Uh, so for some reason, uh, maybe I will use the other microphone. Is better. Okay. The story is quite complicated because, like uh, years ago, when they were starting to work on the *Loving Vincent* movie they actually were asking us whether we have some solution for them. And we, at the time, the answer was no. We weren't able to produce something which was reasonable. And they so they started to work on the movie and um, do it completely manually. That was the final solution. And then after, after all, we came up with this technique. And so uh, we asked them whether they can provide us the data set and we can try that and the answer was that they were not super happy about that actually because it would kind of lower the kind of uniqueness or maybe the the effort that they expend to produce the movie because if you will, during the time when they were presenting the movie if you will show that we are able to do it in like let's say 10% of time or whatever it will look like why why they didn't use my, our technique yet. So it was a little bit difficult, so we were trying to speak with them about that. And now it seems after the movie was already in, in the theater and everybody kind of subtle about the, uh, let's say, hype around the movie. Uh, so now they are, I think, very very much open to this, so we will, we will definitely, at some point, and produce this test, yeah, to see that. Yeah. Thank you. Any questions? i um, grateful. Thank you.
0: Um, the style of motion,
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it was part of the project I was showing you. So we wanted to really. Uh, maybe I will just use this other microphone. So we were. Does it work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it better? Perfect. Yeah, it's much better. Okay. So uh, w- w- what we did there was that there was like two different. Uh, style transfers one was just for the appearance and the other one was the motion style. So the artist was able to stylize the motion in a way that the original pose was not even like preserved so it was like completely different. So if you were just let's say walking like this then the actual style would, was like this and we were transferring also this to the, to the target sequence yeah so we were also trying that yeah.
2: Um, thanks for the talk, actually. It was really interesting. Um, I was just wondering, uh, how did you
0: model the problem
2: of, uh, in, in, in terms of actually writing the program? Is it like based on like a convolutional model, or a uh, generative like, adversarial model, or any kind of combination of anything? or?
1: Yeah. So uh, what what you saw is actually a pretty simple thing, actually. So it's it's kind of what we we call it like guided texture synthesis, uh, which is an approach that essentially creates a mosaic, where every piece of the mosaic is, give, let's say, given or taken from the original style exemplar. and because of this you can like really on a pixel level preserve the original richness if you if you do any other technique which will kind of produce some (coughs) blend of some values or whatever you will produce something which looks okay but if you look on a pixel level you can clearly recognize that it's not the original style so this was the only way how you can really retain the, the original look and pass the, the Turing test. Otherwise with any parametric approach you can do that actually.
0: Thank you. Is there a paper I can read
1: at all? <laughs> yeah yeah it capture
0: sound?
1: It also captures sound? So, there, there, is like a, there are two input channels. One is the, the video, which is converted into these landmarks, so you can recognize the actual gestures from these landmarks. And the other is like a really uh, audio based detection. So, it detects walls, and you can, let's say, change the appearance of the character according to these uh, uh, parts of the sound, so which corresponds to the individual walls. Yeah, that's, that's how it works, actually. Yeah, as well, yeah, sound and image, yeah. Exactly. So sort the of latency, how much latency
0: is there?
1: Yeah, there is there is some small latency, but I think it's okay, so it's it's kind of not, like, disturbing to me, Like, but there is some small latency, yeah, in that sense. But uh, the, what is the actual goal of Character Animator? is to create something which is also, like, stylized animation. It's not like the... Uh, scenario which i was demonstrating when you have like the full motion of the of the face or of the full body is kind of preserved so that you would like to produce something which is more like a cartoonish thing which is more like flat and there is no like f- out of plane rotation or something like that so that, that that's the final goal but as i said we are working on a on this extension which allows you to do really like a full uh, video stylization based based on these examples yeah.
0: Um, was was that using Dlib for the image segmentation?
1: Sorry, can you can you repeat? It?
0: We're using Dlib for the image segmentation. Yeah.
1: So uh, you mean like for landmark detection? Yeah. Yeah. So in our original work, we used Dlib. I'm not sure what is actually used in Character Animator, but we, we use that for this research project. We used that. Yeah.
0: The segmentation of the hair and how it's so actually.
1: It works in a way that it just detects the position of landmarks. And from those, we, we then make some additional masks, which then are used for the, for the segmentation. So it's not like the deal is not giving us immediately the segmentation, but we use the hints from, let's say, the position of landmarks to produce the segmentation. Yeah.
0: How long does that take to label, roughly?
1: Uh, you mean like how long it's it's like uh, like uh, regarding the processing time to so per frame per, per frame. frame so the, what you saw is not real time so it's, it's like it takes like 20 seconds to compute the actual guidance for the synthesis and then after that it takes like five seconds to do the synthesis after all but yeah that's that's like the off, offline scenario but we all, all already have also the fully Uh, uh, real-time scenario which is based on a different approach Uh, we use this technique to recreate like a huge data set and then we have this image-to-image framework which learns network to reproduce uh, the (coughs) style and it works in real-time after after that so you can but you still need this uh, Training data processing before that, and then you can train the network to, to produce these results. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's something which is like less practical because obviously you need to recreate a huge, huge data set to, to achieve that. Yeah. But it's possible to go real time with this. Sorry, another question. Um, how does it work in terms of reusing? the keyframes that you've prepared for a specific shot and then you want to reuse it in another shot does it accumulate if it's the same character but then the illumination changes uh can you totally a yeah bit? so for for facial animation that i was showing you it works quite well uh, in the sense that you don't really need to have corresponding illumination or even like the the actor can be completely different yeah, so the image can be completely different. We have some special treatment to achieve, uh, uh, say, transfer even in this like completely like, let's say, different conditions. But for this video, particular video transfer project, where we don't have any specific information about what is happening in, in the video, we, let's say, cannot reuse keyframes for completely different uh, sequence, for example. So. The expectation is that you will recreate some frames from the video as an artwork, and then we can propagate the style to the rest of the sequence. That's the best. But that was also what the artist wanted to, to have.
2: Hello, um, thank you very much for the talk, it okay. was very, very interesting. Okay. Um, I've recently seen a paper from uh, re, um, AI researchers from Samsung. Um, maybe you've seen it. Yeah, yeah you know what So, you... they basically use the painting um, as a style, but using another source, they kind of make it look as if the painting is talking exactly. itself. Is that something you ever consider? Is that something that theoretically you could possibly do?
1: We can we can do the same thing. The nice um, kind of like maybe scientific question is like, those guys didn't cite or work. There is absolutely no mentioning or branch of, let's say, what we are doing. So it's kind of like fishy in that sense. We, we can do something similar what they are doing and we can we can achieve higher resolution. We can also achieve uh, better quality in, in the in details because what they are actually using is they have just generative network, which obviously always have a problem with details. So if you just have a generative network without any let's say additional fortification using our technique, which API uh, and I say like is a mosaic of the original exemplar. So, if you just use this parametric approach you won't be able to get closer to the full full uh, quality so if you look into their results you can see that they are just using them for styles which are almost like gradient smooth gradients so there is no like i'll say high frequency details for strokes strokes and it's everything is low res and small images so yeah, I'm not saying this, this is also a very interesting branch of what, what they are doing, but uh, they were not comparing to, say, the VR, actually. They they are, like, from, maybe they think they are from different communities say so they don't need to compare with us. But uh, we can do something similar, um, in some particular scenario, better than what, what they are doing. But I would be, like, super happy with that, that that's that's also another possible way how to can do that, and maybe in future it will evolve into something which would be comparable. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Uh, hello. Um, about the the caricatures, uh, which is probably not yeah, the yeah, main yeah. goal here, but it's super funny, and uh, it. I'm just wondering as as it was possible to um to make the logic for for the lightning and for for recognizing uh, the the main things eyes nose etc on a face uh would it be possible to um mm, create some some intelligence that okay uh this is how a, a neutral, uh, average face uh, should look like. And, and compare uh, this, uh, this target face uh, if it's um, ridiculously round and, uh, and go and emphasize that in, in the caricature mode. It's just...
1: Exactly, this is how it works. Ah. So you have some mean face, which is kind of, kind of like average of everything. And then you just measure the difference from this mean face. And you will just amplify it <laughs> in some like you can like, like multiple of these uh, measures and you can amplify it in different way so you can like go higher or lower and this is exactly what you saw that's the, okay. that's the way how it's created yeah. Mm. yeah so you have like you have this uh, landmark detector which for every phase Will detect the position of the features on so nose, mouth, and uh, all the stuff. So you have like corresponding points for every every uh, subject, and you have like a zillions of these subjects, and you just compute really like a average in a space. So like a, really like a arithmetic average of all, all these positions, and that's that's how it works. And you will get something which is the mean face, and then you can use the differences from this mean phase to emphasize.
2: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Hi there, great talk. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask, uh, to what extent did you have to limit resolution in your training set? And um, how do you make that decision?
1: So uh, in our approach, we are not using training, actually. It's, everything is algorithmic. It's just a like pure algorithmic solution, so there is no training phase, actually. Everything is just fresh output. But if you want to go real time, and because it's so slow that we cannot achieve that real time response, we do this training, so we will recreate huge data set using this algorithmic approach, and then we we will train uh, image-to-image network, which will synthesize the the output, and this is is possible to do in real time. But if you're asking whether in the original approach we will use some training data set, there is no training data set, but for this scenario where you have real time response, then we have like, uh, I don't know, like 2,000 images and from these we will train the network and it's robust enough to, to work uh, for, for various faces and uh, various illumination conditions and, uh, and produce the result in real time. But the drawback is that uh, if you look in pixel level, then because the network again is kind of parametric solution, it's not real exact copy of the original style, you can recognize it's not perfect. Yeah, that's that's the drawback, but uh, you have real-time response. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much for a very nice talk. I just want to ask you, when you have artistic animations, have you thought about the idea of having actually Intentional mistakes or something what gives you like some kind of artistic uh, signature. That basically because all of what I've seen is a very beautiful and amazing. I mean, achievement. But something what actually in you know, old animation movies looks like they didn't achieve it. But actually, that you could have something like this kind of simulated process, which is giving a little bit of a handcraft. Exactly. That's that's a. The answer can be that we, we tried to do this like not fully temporally coherent thing. So like to always introduce a little bit of flicker which corresponds to imperfection actually if the, if the artist would be like really super accurate and can handle the artistic media in a way that it can preserve every frame to say, be exactly aligned the stroke can be exactly aligned, and it can produce some coherent animation out of it but usually it's impossible so everything is noisy this is what we are trying to simulate also the other aspect was that we can retain the roughness so uh, in the let's say, sphere scenario, you have like pretty sharp boundary of the sphere, but the artist can like overdraw and make like a really fluffy uh, boundaries, and we are also transferring this fluffiness to the to the final thing. So yeah, we are exactly using these mistakes, or maybe they are intentional, and reproducing them on the target content and this will also gives you the impression ah man this is android yeah that's exactly thank you
2: hi um have you tried to create um an ai uh, that would create maybe a
0: completely unique style of painting, uh, which is quite popular, you can see it in the news every other day.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a very nice question. So, What we are doing is always fully dependent on some existing artwork. And if you ask to create something de novo, like something which is really like a new style, which was not created by hand by somebody else in physical form, then I don't have answer for that. That's something which is like super difficult, like. Ask anything, any algorithmic solution to produce this style exemplar. Not let's say transfer the style, but produce something fully new. You can obviously do some experiments, but they are definitely far from what you would expect would be like realistic style. And this is kind of like super challenging problem, which if somebody will ask me that I will say like in next let's say uh, 50 years, we will not be able to produce something reasonable. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe in next next year you will be able to do that. But that's that's much more difficult as compared to style transfer. If you have some existing artwork and you are trying to start, transfer it onto new content, yeah. So it's unsolved question. The, the, the artistic style
0: of an artist, uh, in terms of intellectual property rights, I mean, where do we go? Are the artists getting paid uh, for their style being appropriated, or you just uh, can use styles where you know it's out of date, basically sixty years and plus ago?
1: Exactly. So you're uh, touching the sensitive question, and. Exactly. This was always the concern. By let's say there are like two groups of artists. One of them are kind of super happy. This is this is what can save a huge amount of time and effort, and I can just focus on creative work and and do some quick samples, and then you can use them to recreate the whole movie, for example. But the other side is that artists are unhappy with that because we are now able to produce new content which has their style and we are doing that on our own. We are not, we don't really need their actual hand-drawn painful artwork that they created by hand and spend a huge amount of time on that. And they are kind of like, they see that they are, we are, let's say, kind of stealing their talent, actually. So that's, that's the other like dark part of this. But uh, your question was maybe if we, if we can use... Yeah, so if we are in the studio and the artist is creating artwork which is for this particular project, obviously it's absolutely okay. The other problem is that if we, if we use somebody else style and we will apply it on some new content, we always ask the original artist whether we can do that. So everything is, is used with permission in that sense. So, but it's very sensitive. So, obviously, you can recreate something which was not produced by the artist, but it looks like it, it, it's from the original artist. Yeah. Okay, are there any, any questions? Yeah, maybe we Thank you. It's a similar question to that new style to be created. Is it actually possible to merge two different styles to actually use it like to combine, monet and monet? Yeah. so that's also a super difficult problem. We also uh, are trying to solve it and it's actually very close to uh, this scenario where you have multiple keyframes because they may not be fully consistent. It's kind of can be in this case it's much simpler but you can still imagine that parts of the for example face is stylized completely differently on the first keyframe and you need to make some transition between these two new styles or two different stylizations and that's what we are trying to solve but obviously if you have like completely different style and you would like to make a mixture that's much more difficult so we are trying but I'm not saying that we are kind of even close to to what you would expect be be useful but that's also part of our uh, effort. Yeah. Hi.
0: Uh, <clears throat> it's really impressive like what I've seen here. Thank you. Uh, how it really works this um, algorithm. My question was uh, for students for example, is there any uh, are there any resources where we can learn something about this algorithm. Where can we look?
1: Yeah, so uh, everything what you saw is actually published already. We have also source code available. And for this particular project, we'll be also releasing the the actual executable, which is computing all all the um, important guiding channels, as well as the file output. So uh, anybody can try it. It's, it's for research purposes, uh, it's free, so you can, you can use it. And it's even uh, doable for commercial purposes, because this will be part of Adobe After Effects Pre-Release program. So if anybody is interested, use it for commercial purpose, we can add him to this Pre-Release program, and he can officially download this tool from Pre-Release, which means that he can use it commercially. But he needs to pay the Creative Cloud, yeah, license.
0: And that's just the transfer style thingy. Exactly. What we've seen with the skeletons? Where can we explain? Yeah, the
1: skeletons one? are tricky <laughs> and obviously yeah, that's much more difficult. The whole project is actually to be honest. This animation, like traditional animation uh, synthesis is the most difficult from that point of view like there are little multiple chunks of the code which needs to be maintained and it's much, let's say, harder to turn into real product as compared for example for this uh, video stylization scenario. So. I cannot say, uh, maybe it's, it's impossible, but I hope that in future this will be also available, but it takes much more time than as compared to this video stylization stuff, yeah. Thank you very much, Thank
2: you. Very good question. Um, now that you mentioned that it's, it's possible to download it and test it um, for research purposes, um, I was thinking, because if, if, you, you, all you talked is m- mostly focused on the artistic, on the paintings and the style. Have you thought about using this for um, actual photos? So you know, like nowadays, deep fakes and all that. So would that be possible to yes. be for that thing?
1: This is a very nice question, because uh, in, in, in this scenario where you have like a smooth gradient, where it's like really like something which is smooth, then usually these parametric techniques like neural-based approaches works quite good, actually. And uh, what we can do is, I think, inferior as compared to what currently is able to produce using these uh, neural architectures. So, I'm not saying that our approach is good for photorealistic synthesis and maybe the neural-based approaches, especially on faces, are much better. If you have have some realistic face, then with this technique, you can hardly achieve the results which are currently possible with neural nets. That's that's, really, really... Because uh, what I said is that we are creating this mosaic and obviously, if you're creating mosaic and you would like to have a smooth gradient, then if you have mosaic, then it is out of question, because the gradient will be never smooth, in this case, yeah. But the other, other scenario, when you have some visually rich content, then using these neural approaches, it's almost impossible to, to reproduce it. Thank you. Yeah. So, if you have any other questions, I will, I'm still here, so you can you can ask me after that. Uh, then you can also try it yourself here. So we will turn the lights on, and you can uh, you can experiment with uh, some physical, real physical artistic media, and so we can we can discuss even after, after the official session.
0: fascinating presentations.